So before we get into this episode, we want to extend our love and positive vibes to everyone in the Houston and smaller surrounding areas. You'll hear us give a quick shout out to the Corpus Christi area affected by Hurricane Harvey, but we recorded that audio before Houston got as bad as it did. We on the Chingona podcast do have family and friends over there, and as far as we know, everyone's fine. Fortunately, very fortunately, all of our loved ones are fine. But as you and I know, that's not the case for everybody. Some have lost everything. So if you're looking to donate, you can try the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund, which is established by the Houston mayor. You can try the Houston Food Bank, the Food Bank of Corpus Christi, the South Texas Blood and Tissue Center, the Texas Diaper Bank, the United Way of Greater Houston, the LGBTQ Disaster Relief Fund. I know J.J. Watts' fundraiser has raised more than $11 million, uh, and he's a football player for the Houston Texans, for those of you that don't know. You can donate through his fund uh, to help animals you can reach out to the houston san antonio or harlingen humane societies i'm sure there are other humane societies in the area that are also helping out but those are just the ones that i know for sure please donate what you can whether it be money or medicine or food and if you can't give anything tangible give your empathy show some empathy because there's a shortage of that right now and the world could stand to be just a little more empathetic Hey! Hey! Welcome to another episode of the Chingona Podcast. I'm Leah. I'm Karen. I'm also Karen. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) Just kidding. This is Nadia. And you're so far away from me. I know. How's everyone doing? Doing good. It's going to rain like a mother for like five more days because of the hurricane. But my grandparents are fine. My mom is fine. Everybody, I text all my reporter friends in Corpus Christi and everybody is okay. Uh, my friend Larry has confirmed on Twitter the Selena statue is okay. Yes. Praise. So, how's, how's Whataburger? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's, I think we would know if it wasn't fine. <laughs> there would be like a, like a, um, like a seismic shift and we would all just be like, oh shit, the Whataburger's gone. Yeah. It would definitely be on Twitter moment. <laughs> Just a, a real quick shout out to our family and friends back home in Corpus, in Rockport, Port Aransas, people in South Texas going through Hurricane Harvey right now. We love you. We hope you're safe. And uh, we're just sending our best from over here in Colorado and sending our best to you, Nadia, in Austin, because I know you're getting some of it right now. Thank you. And I'd just like to i just like to suggest that if anyone has the means that they send some pizza or some donuts to the Corpus Christi Caller Times because journalists um are taking a lot of shit in twenty sixteen or twenty seven and twenty seventeen 
but it's really important to note that um, local journalists and national journalists are the ones going into dangerous situations like the hurricane to give us updates from the ground when everybody else is going away from the danger. So Mm -hmm. shout out to the journalists working and, um, you know, do some self-care because you're if you're like looking at destruction all day um, and hopefully someone can send you guys some pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to all you guys. We love you. <laughs> I love you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is episode nine. Oh my gosh. Of Chingona. And this will be our final episode of the season. And can't believe we made it this far to be completely and Frank. It, it's been a journey. <laughs> an odyssey yeah um and i was thinking not sorry to interrupt i was thinking like a year ago or more than a year ago we were all like how do we do podcast how do podcast (laughs) and it was so confusing and such a weird untangible thing and here we are with our ninth episode recording currently on my computer yeah, we made a thing. It's it's still kind of unbelievable. Yeah, so we wanted to take this episode to reflect on the season, but also we kind of had an idea to give out quote unquote chingona awards to just <laughs> badass women doing badass things that, you know, we haven't touched on throughout the season or maybe we have. Um but uh I don't know, where do you guys want to start? Um, Which, should we reflect first, or should we Chingona Award first? um, Nadia, go. (laughs) Um, Well, I think I need a little bit, personally, some spirit uplifting right now. It's been pretty rough um, with everything that happened in Charlottesville, and we got this hurricane here in Texas, and (sighs) uh, Trump just pardoned Joe Apayo. Um, Arpaio, the crazy sheriff um, from Arizona who had those tent cities going on. So I kind of need some, I need some positivity. I need something to help keep me going. So if we start off with the Chinguana Awards, that would be great. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got two Chinguana Awards to give out. Um, and the first one is going to this woman, Jeanette. Jeanette, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Jeanette Vizquera. Um, She is undocumented. She has been in the U.S. for 20 years, and she has four kids, who, uh, three of whom are U.S. citizens, were born in the U.S. And um, Jeanette is a badass and a chingona for so many reasons, the first of which is that she came here to the U.S. from Mexico and started to work as a janitor. And it is easy, I think, when you're undocumented um, to hide um, and to be afraid. And that is not what Jeanette did. She instead started organizing uh, basically a union for other workers and went on to start her own company and become an advocate for undocumented immigrants. Um, So just first off, like, that is, like, it blows my mind. Yeah. Um. And secondly, so she was granted um, several stays of her deportation 
um, she was scheduled to be deported because um, she was caught using a false identity years ago in order to be able to work and to feed her family. Um, And so she had to go through this thing where it's like, they have not granted me another stay of deportation. Do I go into ICE and possibly just instead of coming back home, be deported back to Mexico. Um, And she's, like I said, she's got four children. One is grown. um, And so she had to kind of tell them the contingency plan. Like, look, you know, your clothes are in this drawer. Here's how she stocked her pantry up with um, meals that even a six-year-old, her six-year-old could make, you know, like microwavable macaroni and cheese and oh stuff. Yeah. And so she, she sat them all down for a family meeting and she said, look, you know, it's kind of down to the wire. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, she di- hadn't made up her mind yet about whether she was going to go into the ICE office. Um, but yeah, she sat her whole family down and, you know, like her strength, I think sort of she gave them some of her strength because to a six-year-old, to an eight-year-old, for your mother to say, uh, listen, someone may come to the door. Here's what we're going to do. You, eight-year-old, you're going to film. Six-year-old, you're going to hide in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come out. Like, you know, 26-year-old, you're going to, someone's going to call you immediately and you're going to come over here and take care of the, like, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what she opted to do instead of going into her ICE appointment was to um, uh, instead go to First Unitarian Church here in Denver, um, which had already told the immigrant community um, the Unitarians are kind of really cool religious-wise. Um, I did a story about which churches were offering sanctuary. Anyways, Unitar- Unitarians... Um, uh, off, said they would offer sanctuary. So the church community sort of had helped set up this space in the church and actually Jeanette had painted the walls herself, like chosen the colors for the paint for this little space inside the church. Um, and it had, you know, like a bed and I think probably like a rack for clothes and, a, you know, a tiny little place for like a hot plate and stuff. Um, and uh, the the deal is, it's still very nerve-wracking because ICE has a written policy that says, yo, we won't go into churches to arrest people for deportation, but it's not anything set in stone. They can decide to undo that at mm-hmm. any time. It's just sort of like an understanding. Yeah. Um, so the Unitarian Church gave her sanctuary, and she stayed there for 86 days. Um, before she finally did get um, her stay of deportation granted. So she's she's out of the church, but she couldn't leave for 86 days. And so she's still living in Denver, still fighting the good fight. And again, it would be so easy for her to kind of just fade away. Um, but she is still fighting um, to keep families together, um, you know, fighting for... Uh, DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, um, and she's just incredibly inspirational, and uh, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people of the year, and America, oh, what's her name? Ferreira? Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) America Ferreira wrote up her little bio in Time's Magazine, um, 
So yeah, Jeanette Visqueda, like, know that name. How did you hear about her? Um, so I did a story, she, while she was in the church at, in Denver, um, I work in Longmont, and so I tried to do a story, um, basically asking churches here who could take in people or who was morally opposed to it. And I, um, it was really interesting. I got like a lot of different theological perspectives. And then a lot of churches that I talked to were like, oh, morally, we're all for giving sanctuary in that way, but we can't because either they leased their building or, Mm -hmm. um, like the, the group at CU Boulder, um, you know, they don't have like a building. They just sort of meet in different places. Um, they're, the Unitarians are part of a collective that kind of, um, helps the same, it's the same group that Jeanette was staying with. And so they said, you know, we don't have the space, but we definitely, we try to, you know, throw money and volunteers there and like awareness their way. So, um, yeah, that's how I heard about it. And I just started reading up on her and, um, I think she was pretty recently named Times one of times 100 most influential people of the year. Yeah, because I remember you talking about writing that story, and that was fairly recent. Yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Go, Jeanette. Woo. Oh, and also, whenever she um, speaks in public, she does it in Spanish, which um, I also just think it's like a small thing, but a big thing at the same time, mm-hmm. that she's like, look, I came here for a better life. I've worked really, really, really hard, um, and she speaks some English, but I don't think she's comfortable enough to give interviews, so she just does it in Spanish, and um, one of her children will translate if need be, and I think that that also is just like like a sign of bravery of like, you know what? I'm most articulate this way, and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's cool. And she just, we have a photo of her up here that we can also probably post on our Instagram and Twitter, but she just looks like a regular, just like a regular mom. Yeah. Like someone, like every mom that we see back home in Texas. And it kind of, I don't know, hits close to home a bit just because it looks like somebody that I would know, someone that I would talk to on the reg. Yeah. So blessings to Jeanette Visqueda, who's, um, you know, just in Denver and still going about her business doing her thing yeah yes okay and who is your uh who gets the next chingona award nadia oh my turn okay (laughs) (laughs) on the arbitrary Um, order that i just decided on uh the the first group of people that came to my mind when we were talking about this are um this organization called Jolt that started here in Austin. It's a group that's dedicated to getting Latinos the respect we deserve, I think is their mission statement. But if you've seen, well, let me back up. If you know about them, there's a pretty good chance that you found out about them from the quinceanera at the Capitol that happened oh, yeah. a while mm. back. Yeah, that was awesome. So it was, and I'm just so impressed by the people in this organization and the young women who organized that. You know, one of them had the idea because she was at the Capitol 
and she saw girls getting their quinceanera pictures taken there (laughs) and they just made it happen during the summer thankfully I guess you know everyone was out of school and they could wrangle up uh, 15 girls to do that performance where they all got in their quinceanera dresses and did some dances and also spoke out against um, SB4 which is the law that essentially gives more authorities the power to ask people's immigration statuses and it's essentially a racial profiling bill because let's be honest who are they going to be stopping and asking for the immigration status right it's not going to be me anybody but (laughs) latinos and latinas right so they just give me a lot of hope and seeing them and and watching them organize just gives me a lot of hope because in texas we're known as a state where our lawmakers and our law enforcement are all these good old boys but actually you know we're a minority majority state now and we don't see that represented in our lawmakers um i'm not sure but i'm guessing we don't see that reflected in our law enforcement and the way that they police um i know from working in corpus christi which is a mostly hispanic area um you know it's not representative necessarily there Mm -hmm. so it gives me i feel it gives me a lot of feels to see uh young women being politically active and organizing and um not only that i know that they have plans to really make a push for voter registration um for upcoming elections which we need in the latino community we need more participation And they just announced that um, you can form, within Texas, you can form JOLT student chapters or JOLT unions to kind of spread the organization outside of Austin. So it's really great to see our people taking our culture and putting that out in the forefront when they're out there um, advocating for Latino rights and respect and political influence, which I think we're gonna we're gonna need a lot more of. Yeah, for um, sure. As we grow, as our population grows, I want to see that. I certainly want to see that reflected in our lawmakers. So, I think they can do it. I'm cheering for you guys. Go Jolt. That's awesome. And Nadia, I know that this is like something that we've talked about before, but like I just think it's so awesome that they're taking this really central part of. Uh, Latino Latina culture and being like um, you know hey white people all other people you know this is us and we also have something to say politically like yeah we're not it's not just you know pretty dresses to look at and like um, you know a party that you can go and and get out like (laughs) yeah you like we're using our quinceañeras for something really meaningful Yeah, so for those of you who don't know what a quinceanera is, it's a party for a young girl who's turning 15 um, in the Latino culture, and it's just, it's kind of like a sweet 16, but there's like a church, the the whole point of it is that you kind of get brought into the church as um, you're becoming a young young woman now, Um, and one of the staples of a quinceanera is that the quinceanera usually wears like this huge 
dress and it's usually like this you know a bright color of some sort and she also has uh damas which is usually 15 and the damas are just like you know usually her friends or cousins and they're girls that also participate in the ceremony and then the girls have escorts and it's usually you know the friends the guy friends that you know they get dressed up in tuxedos and the girls also wear all matching dresses um it's kind of what you would imagine like a bridesmaids and groomsmen looking like um and then usually there's like a big party afterwards at like a salon and the lots of food lots, lots of, food, of alcohol lots of drinks and it's just uh celebrating this girl becoming a woman and there's usually also uh the quinceanera like hires a choreographer or something and they'll put on like three different dances um and so that's to give you context of what we're talking about if you don't know like what these when they talk about the quinceanera at the capital if you could just imagine something like that but a bunch of girls in their big poofy dresses but speaking out politically it's amazing. I was a dama when I was fifteen, <laughs> and we practiced our dance in the uh, in the driveway of my friend's home. And as I was driving through Longmont the other day, my neighbor I saw like four or five teenage girls and four or five teenage guys like dancing in the driveway, and I was just like, mm-hmm, "I know what's up." <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Aside. So yes, Chingona awards to Jolt. Maybe we can give them one. A large virtual one, and then they can break it up like um, in Mean Girls. Like in Mean Girls, mm-hmm. exactly, and throw it out to the hole. <laughs> or we can do the thing like in Snow White when Snow White won an award. They had the Seven Dwarves got mini Oscars. I think it's what it was. <laughs> um, so something like that. Uh, just imagine it. Whatever you want, we'll make it happen virtually. <laughs> I mean, it's all imaginary, so we could just imaginarily manufacture like fifteen of them. <laughs> True. Um, we'll send them a nice email. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that with us, Nadia. So my Chinguana award goes to uh, Rhea Butcher and Cameron Esposito. And so they're a couple, they're a lesbian married couple, um, and they're stand-up comedians. And I just want to preface this by saying that a lot of the information that I'm getting from this article, from this, uh, from, from them, uh, is from an article by Darby Maloney from The Frame, and then a Vanity Fair article written by Joanna Robinson. So the reason I chose Rhea and Cameron Esposito is because they recently created a show called Take My Wife, and it just, they're the stars of the show, and it's just a show about their lives as a couple, and it's not a documentary, it's a scripted, written show, but the way they describe it is, like, I love Lucy, but instead, Lucy loves Lucy, (laughs) and uh, the show focuses, it, it just focuses on their life as a married couple and how they, you know, go through life trying to figure things out um and it's it's not a show that's censored around them being a lesbian couple it's just a show that has this shows this couple and they just so happen to be lesbian which I think is a really great thing because I feel like so often right now in Hollywood whenever there's a an LGBTQ plus character it always kind of focuses on like that's their main thing like oh that's the gay character and it gets kind of old um and then there's also this like 
I think it's called bury your gaze trope in Hollywood that all the gay characters end up dying off for one reason or another. Um, like in Rent. And yeah, I've never seen Rent, but... <laughs> don't get me started. Um, but yeah, this show, it's just, you know, just like a regular show following them. And so the cast and crew was made up of mostly women and it included people of color and members of the LGBT community. And so the first release in, the first season was released on CISO TV, which is another streaming service like Netflix and Hulu, but it was kind of the brainchild of Comcast and NBC Universal. Um, and so CISO launched in 2016, um, but you can see the first episode of Take My Wife on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long, give or take. Um, and I've only seen the one episode, but it was amazing. It was funny. It kind of hit all the points that you could tell that they were trying to hit. Um, and I'm also going to preface this by saying that I know I'm part of the problem because I kept telling myself like, oh, I'll pay for CISO next month or I'll get it next month. And the next month came and I never did. And well, earlier this month, CISO announced that they would be shutting down, which means that Take My Wife, the show by Rio Butcher and Cameron Esposito, um, that means it doesn't have a home now. And because Cameron and Rhea don't own the show, if it doesn't get picked up, they can't release it this, themselves. And it's such a shame because it is a really groundbreaking show. Um, and I'm just going to uh, read some stats right now that Take My Wife was able to pull off. So uh, two seasons of an all-female writer's room. In season two, their writer's room was 43% women of color. Take My Wife involved women, queer folks, and people of color at all levels and aspects of production, with mostly female department heads, uh, three female directors, female producers, editors, and a female director of photography in the first and second ADs. Season 2, 22 of the 47 roles were played out by LGBTQ plus actors, um, which is really unheard of for any show in or TV movie in, going out right now. Um, for season two, the cast was 83% female, 25% women of color, 33% people of color, and 54% LGBTQ plus actors. Um, they licensed eight songs, one per episode, from eight queer, mus queer musicians, partnered with queer-friendly clothing companies, and uh, specifically sought out writers with experience who needed credits to enter and uh, in their respective guilds. Um, and so that is just like small highlights from what Take My Wife did and um they Rhea and Cameron they're white women but they're advocate they're advocates for um obviously women and the LGBTQ plus community but also just they're allies for people of color I follow them on Instagram and Twitter and they know their place they're not the kind of people that want to speak out in front for but they're like I said they're allies for you know Black Lives Matter and the Latino community. And um, so there's a few quotes that from the article from the frame that I wanted to read. So Cameron said that she wanted to stress that the show wasn't a men out project. It was more of a women in. And they really believed in training up women and people of color and queer folks so that way they can change Hollywood. So the idea was that if you gave, if they gave these people jobs, they would be better prepared for other jobs. And eventually that would kind of, the web will grow and Hollywood would become more integrated, which, you know, you'd be able to see more people that look like me on TV. And I think that's really important. 
Um, and some other things that the show addressed was uh, they, they addressed some serious themes. I know there was an episode about rape and sexual assault. Um, and they wanted to do that because at the time there uh, were a lot of, you know, rape jokes going around on the Internet and comedians and whether or not, you know, this should be even a joke that people should be making. And so the episode was made from a female comics perspective about hearing a rape joke at the show. And so I'm just going to read a bit of a quote that Cameron Esposito says about it. And um, she says, yeah, I didn't feel like I had heard a, a first person survivor's perspective who's also a comic. So often we talk about something like sexual assault, like we'll roll out those statistics. But this is how many people, this is how many people have been sexually assaulted. And then somehow comics still get on stage assuming there are no survivors in the room and in the audience. And she's saying, assume there are, first of all. That's what I would like to say, because statistically, there are definitely, and not just one, multiple, and probably statistically, I can't say that word today, (laughs) and probably statistically, there's another comic on your lineup who's also a survivor of assault. That doesn't mean it's it's off limits as a topic, that just means your jokes better be good. You better have a funny joke, and your joke is not good or not funny, and if your joke is not good or not funny, then do you mind if I talk about it instead? Because that's something that's actually affected me, and I feel like that's the conversation we need to have about comedy. Um, And I know just me, personally, I feel like rape jokes are kind of tired. Like, you know, there's a lot of other things that we could joke about. Why would you, like, why is that necessary? Like, why are we touching on that? Um, And I haven't, I've only been to maybe like one or two comedy shows in my life. And I know I went to one of them with Nadia. We went to the Glamour Push show. Uh, and Christina Hutchinson was the com- comedian we went to go see. And she kind of, she also did like a rape joke that ended up being a joke about like student loans. And like that was the rape joke. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but I don't know. How do y'all feel about something like that? Like rape I jokes think that's a really good point. Because yeah. it's like when that comedy show that we went to. It was mainly young women in the audience because we were fans of Christina Hutchinson. We heard about her from her podcast, Guys We Fucked. And then aside from Wendy Starling, every other comedian was a guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think there were any other rape jokes. There were other like weird sexual jokes that didn't land at all. So I don't know if you can't even make like a regular sex joke land, yeah, and there are women in your audience, what makes you think if you're not a survivor or you weren't, you know, impacted directly that you're going to be able to make a rape joke land? Yeah. What are you thinking? You're not that good. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I I really agree uh what Cameron Esposito said in that quote that you read because it's like there's this I the people um who make the jokes or like defend the jokes they're just like it's just a joke like that excuses it and it it doesn't it's like well if you told it and it fell flat like if it just wasn't funny then like you don't get to hide behind the it's a joke yeah like shield because the reality is was like well it was a shitty joke like yeah it was a shitty situation you turned it into a shitty joke right and it's it's and we you're shitty for doing it <laughs> like humor is really valuable um because it can help us like get through dark times like um 
you know, you can tell, I think, a funny rape joke or a funny 9-11 joke or, you know, you can tell a funny joke about really, really dark times. Um, but it has to be done really well, just like she said. And, like, you have to, yeah, and it seems like people people talk about rape and sexual assault like, um, like she said, there's not survivors in the room. And I... Like, I have more friends who have been affected by those issues than have not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just a little bit like, you know, can you just sort of, you know, you exercise your empathy muscle for a second and think, if this horrible thing had happened to me, would I find this funny? And if the answer's yes, then, like, you know, workshop it a little bit, maybe. If the answer's no, then just leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, think of something else. Um, So... Um, as far as Take My Wife goes, and as far as I know, the show hasn't found a home yet. Um, and the community kind of came together when they found out it was being shut down. I know there was an online campaign, um, hashtag Take My Wife, that was trending nationally a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Cameron and Rhea really pushed that because this show was kind of their baby. And so they're hoping, I think, that somebody it catches somebody's attention and it saves the show. Um, and beyond that, I know Cameron and Rhea also recently started a podcast called Query, which is spelled Q-U-E-E-R-Y. Um, and they just talk to folks from the LGBTQ plus community. Um, they also host another podcast and comedy show called Put Your, Put Your Hands Together. Um, and both these shows kind of aim to achieve the same goal as Take My Wife, but it's just, they're not quite as special as a TV show that's run by women, women of color, and, you know, queer women of color, and everything in between, and so that's why I think they, those two deserve the My Chingona Awards, just because, oh. I mean, they're really trying to fight the good fight. Um, and and we, while we're kind of talking about terrible jokes, can I just say that I love their the title of the show? <laughs> because that's like an, we're like an old, tropey, hacky joke um you know that used to be performed in the 60s and it basically goes you know like a lot of people have weird terrible habits take my wife no really take her yeah and it's just like (laughs) yeah in one of the articles that i read about that they they named it that because it's kind of their way of taking the phrase back back. yeah (laughs) taking take my wife back (laughs) yeah um so they know what they're doing and they're they're on our side Go Cameron, go Rhea. I have another Chingona award to give out. Go. Um, I, first off, I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> um, I love it. I watch different YouTube channels with different people with calming voices and different, like I don't do my makeup very often, but I follow a lot of beauty bloggers and beauty vloggers just because I feel creepily like they're my friends and I know them. Um, same. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and I found, uh, Nima Tang. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I couldn't find a pronunciation for it, um, online, but, um, she has a YouTube channel called The Darkest Shade and it is ingenious because, uh, she is originally from South Sudan, but she's living in, you know, a bunch of articles that I found. Um, I'm looking at one by Rosie Narasaki um, from Bustle, but Business Insider picked it up. Um, They say that she lives in Dallas. I think she might live in the Dallas area, like Arlington. Um, 
But so anyway, so her whole deal is that she is very dark. Um, and she's not just very dark. I mean, and first off, she's beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. She is stunning. Straight up gorgeous. Um, and so she just tries out different foundation and highlighter and contour shades on her YouTube channel. And she mentions a couple times, like, I got to go to work. This is what I do before work. And so this is, I think, something that she's just doing in her free time, kind of like us in this podcast. Um, and it is such a service uh, I think to people, not only to people like who, me, I'm very, you know, light, um, and I can almost always find my shade of makeup that I want. And it's this YouTube really, this YouTube channel really opened my eyes of just like, wow, that is really like, that's such an everyday thing, but that is such a struggle. Um, because a lot of the times she will order the darkest shade of a foundation and then on camera she puts it on her face and you guys she throws the best like shade facial expressions at the camera <laughs> because she puts it on her face and it's it's always like um not always but a lot of the times she puts it on her dark dark skin and this is the darkest shade of foundation that a company sells and it just looks like like coffee creamer or something or it's it's has too much yellow undertones or it has too many gray undertones mm -hmm. and she'll rub it in she'll be like uh no this isn't working um and she she doesn't really like review them she just sort of puts it on and be like mm, this this doesn't work for me or this does work for me um and a lot of the time she's trying to either her chest and her face are different um shades of dark skin and so sometimes she's trying to match her face to her chest or her chest to her face um and she's just it's like the struggle of just trying because she personally would like to go out one sh one shade of color <laughs> um and these companies are just like even the ones that advertise like oh we true match color your your shade no matter what no. and she tries them and it's like no um, and so I just want to give her a Chingona award for, um, just turning on the camera, using what resources she had available to her and building up this fan base of, um, you know, people who really need this service. Like, you know, this is not something you can go to the Better Business Bureau and find out. <laughs> um, this is something that you're basically only going to get from people like her that are going out, buying it and then filming them filming themselves putting it on their skin and saying like this is how it works for me this is how it is with my skin and this lighting um and sometimes it's really funny like uh again if you want to learn how to throw shade with your face at a camera <laughs> she has this video where she's trying out um uh it's supposed to be a contour uh it's like the darkest contour that a makeup company sells and uh she she puts it like where you would put a contour like under your cheekbone and she just like looks at the camera like are you fucking kidding me like jim halpert face because she's like uh this looks like a highlight on my skin like what am i supposed to do um and she also has a few tutorials for like how to do things with dark skin um and so I just really, like, so often when you go, at least me, when you go on Pinterest, you go on YouTube, it's always the same type of woman that's talking to you about beauty and fashion. Um, and I just really like that Naima Tang is saying, you know what, I'm here too, 
and we, you know, we like to buy makeup and put it on ourselves too. And, um, you know, the people with darker skin tones are not going to be ignored. I just, I love it all around. And yeah. her name is spelled N-Y-M-A and then Tang, T-A-N-G. Um, I'm definitely going to subscribe to her Yeah, and when we'll, I get home. We'll link some, um, like, the articles that we're using or, like, um, her YouTube channel in the description yeah. of, this, of this podcast. We, um, we want you all to see and educate yourselves, too, about these amazing ladies that we're talking about. Do we have any other awards? I know we're done over here on RN Nadia, but do you have anybody else? Yeah, there's one more that I wanted to give out um, electronically. I don't know how we're doing this. Via <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Instagram or whatever. So there's this other podcast that I listen to called Café con Chisme. I love it. That I, <laughs> that I really have enjoyed so far. I've listened to a couple episodes. Um, and it's a Latinx, Latinx podcast hosted by this brother and sister, Yasmin and um, Sebastian. And I oh, think they're name. Chicano studies. Um, they're studying Chicano studies or teaching it um, because they just – they're really good <laughs> at giving that perspective to current events. And the last one that they have out um, is about the uh, Charlottesville uh, Nazi protesters and everything that happened there. Um, and they did a really good job of going through the history of how this racism took hold and how um, these Confederate statues ended up being placed everywhere, um, you know, during Reconstruction and during the Civil Rights Movement to basically intimidate Black citizens who were either just gaining their rights or fighting for their rights. And it's just been, it's really educational for me. And it also helped me unpack a lot of feelings that I didn't really know what to do with and have a better understanding of why things are the way they are. So it's something that I know is part of my self-care routine now, I think. I'm going to integrate it in there with uh, buying dark matte lipsticks and painting my nails. <laughs> yes. So if you're looking for... Some of that, if you've ever experienced that Chicano Studies revolution of the mind and you need more of it, definitely check out Café con Chisme. They're really, they're really funny and cute and they have a lot of great insights on the different topics that they cover. Um, and they have one that I haven't listened to called Support Your Local Iloteros, which I need to get on now. <laughs> I love because it. Because I can tell that that is already going to be very important, whatever they have to say. Mm-hmm. I need to know. So that I think is it for me. So there that wraps up uh, this season's Chingona Awards. Um, so shout out one last shout out to Jeanette Visquera and uh, Nima Tang, Rhea Butcher and Cameron Esposito and uh, Jolt and Gaff. I'm so, what was that again? Café con chisme. Café con, Café chisme. con chisme. Café con chisme. <laughs> chisme? Um, <laughs> yeah, shout out to all y'all for fighting the good fight, doing your damn thing. 
inspiring us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess as we're reflecting on this season, like you guys first, we made a whole season of a podcast. What the hell? Um, <laughs> but thank you for the people who listen and for our fans. Um, shout out to Leah's mom. who is is very slowly um you know evangelizing i think everyone she comes in contact with to our podcast (laughs) i was telling karen yesterday that like my mom now when she like talks to people that she hasn't talked to in a long time or when she like introduces me to people i went back home a couple weeks ago and she was just like oh, uh, have you heard of Leah's podcast, Chingona? You can download it, you know, and she, like, shows them on their phone where they can find it. And then, uh, like, earlier this summer, she ran into, like, some old softball teammates of mine from high school that I haven't spoken to in a very long time. And uh, she was just like, oh, yeah, Leah has a podcast now, and um, you can find it here. And she, like, relayed the information to me, and she's like, and I saw them download it, so they have it in their phones now. <laughs> and also, if, if you were, if you were uh, somehow pressured into downloading this podcast by Leah's mom, thank you for listening. And, yeah. um, you know, please peruse our other podcasts from this season. Um, I think we're going to take a hiatus, a break. How long did we sit? Did anyone, does anyone remember? I want to say we decided we're going to come back in February of 2018. If um, we're all still here. And, yeah, <laughs> if we make it through the year. Um, and our goal is to be able to put out uh, an episode every week instead of every other week like we're doing right now. Um, but we all have, you know, full-time jobs. We don't just do this solely so um, we're giving ourselves a little bit of time to get some more episodes in the archive and uh, hopefully be able to release them every week for y'all come 2018 Um, but we need help we need you guys to go to chingonapodcast.com c-h-i-n-g-o-n-a podcast.com and tell us some chingonas that we should interview and you can also Get at us on Twitter. We're Chingona Podcasts on Twitter and on Instagram. We're not on Facebook because it's dying. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just let us know. If you're a Chingona and you think that your story should be told, get at us. We'll do it. Self-advocacy. Don't be be humble. Let us us know. (laughs) Um, If you know someone that's a Chingona, again, like send them our way. And um, just thanks so much for listening, you guys. This has been a very fun adventure. I know it's it's something that had been in the works for like a year and a half yeah. <laughs> before we finally got it going. So just thanks. Nadia? What's up? <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to say to the kind no, people you guys of the on really beautifully. Um, <laughs> I would also just add that I'm really proud of you guys for... <laughs> being amazing and taking charge and Karen you figured out how to get it on iTunes which still I don't understand completely (laughs) oh Um, yeah and and tell us if if you would like to listen to the podcast on something other than SoundCloud or iTunes um and you know tweet at us and let us know if you would like to listen to it on Stitcher or um other pod I think they're called pod catchers um (laughs) yeah I'm I'm sort of in charge of that, so let me know. 
Um, but we will see you guys. Oh, wait. Newsletter. Oh, yeah. Subscribe to our newsletter. What, uh, what's going on with that? <laughs> um, we're going to make it a thing. We're going to make it, we're going to make it really work. It's going to be great. It's going to have a glow up yeah. soon. Okay. So be on the lookout for our newsletter during our little hiatus. Um, but until then. Um, and if you're skeptical that we're not going to get it running, I mean, subscribe anyway to see how that turns out. Yeah, hold us accountable. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> what will happen next? <laughs> um, but that'll be fun. I'm excited to work on that because I've never worked on a newsletter before. So it'll just be another thing. Yeah, another thing we'll we'll just have to teach ourselves how to do. <laughs> um, okay, so this has been the final episode of season one for... Chingona. We will see you guys in 2018. Signing off, this is Leah Juarez. This is Karen Antonacci. Dance to the outro music. And this is Nadia. Bye. 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 Bye.